Hey there, Pastor Dave Berkey with the Allenwood Church. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed by the message. Remember, you can find every next step at allenwood.church. You can submit a prayer request there. You can send us a message. You can support the ministry. I hope and pray that the Word of God meets you in a real, impactful way today. Enjoy. Oh. Well, church, if you have been with us, we have stopped inside of our chronological journey through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're looking at the Gospels together. Jesus begins into one of his first parables that sets the stage for the rest of the parables that he's teaching. And in doing so, we're stopping even longer here in this first parable of the sower. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be looking at this parable of the sower this morning. I'm going to try to do everything that I can to give us some time to do a little bit of a Q&A after service today. So y'all know sometimes I get a little heavy-winded, so I'll do my best be praying for me in that. But along those lines, I want you to know that so that you can be thinking if there's something that pops up that I don't necessarily get to answer, um, I want to provide that opportunity for us after, after we get through the word here. So... We are looking at the four different types of soil that Jesus brings up in this parable. The very first week, we talked about the sower. The sower is the one that sows the seeds. Jesus is not particularly concerned about the sower. He spends more time and is much more concerned about the ground that the seed that the sower sows falls on. There are four different types of ground. The first one last week was the wayside. It was the path that was beaten down and trotted on by people walking through. This seed fell, had nowhere for it to go, nowhere for it to even penetrate the ground. And so the birds came and took it away. And we talked about uh, the challenges of a heart that's been made flesh, but is still hard, that receives word, hears it, but it doesn't really do much. And one of the parables, it kind of denotes it towards the person that uh, hears the word of God or hears the gospel, but it has no fruit in their life. But we also see in different places that uh, this parable is translated as well into and can be thought through the lens and the perspective of a believer, someone whose heart in a place of hearing a word of God or a seed from the Lord or from the word itself, that it's so hard, our hearts, that it doesn't penetrate and it just quickly gets swept away and taken away. The next parable this morning is going to be, the next part of the parable is going to speak about the Soil that is stony. So let's read first and foremost here. Now, remember each of these parables, Jesus first spoke in the beginning to the multitude who understood no, no doubt. Parable is a real life scenario alongside of a spiritual meaning. So the parable was always intended to connect real life with spiritual life. This is the ground that's being sown. The spiritual side of it, Jesus says, the soil is the heart of man. Okay, parable, we're going to see that many times as we continue to get through the passage and start seeing more and more parables. But the first part of that parallel side of this parable in Matthew is Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Jesus said, some, some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root— they withered away. Now Jesus goes on 
in a little bit of a subset just simply to his disciples who are asking him the meaning of this. And in chapter 13, verses 20 to 21, he says, but he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, we're going to be looking at, you don't have to necessarily turn, but I wanted to give them to you. This same aspect of the parable is told in Mark chapter 4, verses 5 to 6. The parable, the side-by-side part, is Mark chapter 4, verses 16 to 17. And then also Luke 8, 6. And then Luke 8, 13 is the parable, the side-by-side, the spiritual side. Luke does a much more succinct job, so I wanted to read Luke's as well. Mark and Matthew are very similar. Luke 8, 6 reads, Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Now, I wanted to begin with a little bit of a reminder of the nature of the culture was very agricultural, right? So we have a lot of examples. Jesus is using one that is tied to the ground. It's tied to the earth. And I wanted to give you a couple of other passages because we started last week with this taking an account of the state of our hearts. So the thing that we have to do is if Jesus is talking about the heart of man and the spiritual parable side-by-side aspect of this, we have to ask the question, is my heart likened to that of the wayside that's compacted? This morning, we have to ask the question, is my heart likened to that of a stony ground? Next week, we'll have to answer the question, is my heart like that of, likened to that of, um, wow, my mind is gone. What's the third? The stony ground and the the thorns and the thorns, right? Being choked out by the cares and the weights of the world. And then the fourth and final, the, the following Sunday will be this, is mine likened to the one that Jesus says is better to desire above all, the kind of soil that is in that. Now, I wanted to give you a broader perspective because there are many passages uh, that allude to the fact of God being a gardener in a sense, okay? I want you to think about who planted Eden? God did. And what was Eden? A garden. So these analogies start all the way back in the beginning from Genesis 2, when God plants a garden and then places Adam in the garden to till the ground, maintenance, right? And to continue the care of the garden. So in many other ways, I wanted to give you some other passages because Our hearts here, in many ways, through the rest of Scripture, are likened to gardens. And so as we're talking about soil, we have to be talking about the nature and the place of a garden. I wanted to give you a couple of those things. Jeremiah 29.5, very interesting. Jeremiah is a prophet prophesying to the people of God. He said, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. This is when the people are taken captive already into Babylon. And before this, Jeremiah literally says, speaking on behalf of God, you're going to be here for a while in captivity. So build a house, dwell in the house, till a garden, and eat from the garden. It's a sustaining of life. There's these parallels that are continuing to be a part of it. Jeremiah 29, 28, for he has sent 
to us in Babylon saying, the exile will be long. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Proverbs 28, 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. What's a parable? The reality of, we can talk about real life work, real life tilling, real life in this agricultural land. If you're not preparing your land, if you're not tilling the ground, you're not going to have food to consume. In your poverty and in your laziness, you won't be able to sustain life. But Jesus comes along in this parable and says, your heart is likened to the ground being sowed upon. The heart is like a, a soil. In many ways, we can also ask the question, he who tills the land of his heart will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. You won't have much to show out of the produce from your heart if it's not tilled and taken care of. Micah 4, 3 to 4, and he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. Each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Very interesting. You go from a time of war to a time of peace and the time of war is signified by swords and, and things of, of, you know, war and then brought into plowshares and pruning hooks as things of nurturing and preparing and tilling and, and growing food. Isaiah 28, 23 to 26, give ear to my voice. Listen and hear my words. Does the farmer plow continually to plant the seed? Does he continually turn and hollow the ground? Does he not level its surface and sow dill and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows, barley in its place and rye in its area? For his God instructs and teaches him properly. There is a time where in order to get that kind of heart that the soil is prepared for the seed to go into, that we're going to have to till the ground of our heart. But the word of God also is declaring to us in many ways that there are also times where after the tilling takes place, you need to let the ground alone so that the seed can develop and produce fruit sometimes. There are all of these amazing analogies from gardening that Jesus really takes and in a parable connects to the real life scenario spiritually for you and I here. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. Where is the state of my heart? Lord, what kind of soil is in me to be able to produce what I'm created to produce and I'm created to reflect? Matthew in the garden here, 24, 3 to 14. I'm going to leave this one here. We'll come back to that in a minute. So back into our passage. Matthew chapter 13 records Jesus's parable of the sower and he's likening the stony ground 
to that of a stony heart. And just like the wayside, when you till up ground, sometimes you will till up stone. Now, there's a lot of debate theologically from theologians of whether or not this is indicative of stones being tilled up and kind of coming near the surface, or this is literally a piece of ground that often surrounded in the, geolog ge in the geographical area where the, the soil wasn't too deep because bedrock was so shallow, but it was on the edge of wherever they had planted. So just like the wayside, we talked about sowing seeds. Some of these seeds fell on stony ground. It could be that it literally fell on stony ground, or it also could be that a stone was turned up closer to the surface and the seed fell on that stone. My, uh, my family, my uncle in particular, took over from my grandfather. They used to plant you know, a couple acres worth of corn. It wasn't anything that was, you know, uh, massive scale per se, but we had tractors and I had pictures of being out there with my uncle and eating corn from the, you know, from the field. And I'll never forget, you can walk through the cornfield and you can see the differences in the soil by the height of the corn stalks oftentimes. And that would be characterized by the kind of soil. And so you would actually have sections in the cornfield that al almost would look like there's absolutely no growth. It's like a perfect little thing. And the reality is that there's just not depth of soil to be able to get that nutrient. There still is enough there to sustain and hold the plant, but it doesn't rise up as quickly as the other stuff. But what's interesting is in the beginning of that process, where there isn't a lot of soil, the initial spreading forth, if you weren't skilled in understanding what crop would come up as or how it would come up, is that oftentimes the seed that was sown over top of stony ground would actually crop up first. And you'd think, wow, that's going to be the best of the field. But it's not because plants, seeds, always send their roots down first until the roots are established enough to sustain its upward growth outward. So from the surface, it looks like this plant is thriving and it's doing so well right now. But it really just doesn't have anywhere to go down. So it's forced to go up. And it looks really good. This is where Jesus says that this person that, that is like the seed that's likened to the heart of one on stony ground, it immediately springs up. And, they, and it springs up out of joy. It's like an exciting, amazing, wow, that's so wonderful. You ever walk in, you know, out of, a, out of a service? Maybe one of my services, I don't know. You walk out of one of my services, you go, man, Pastor Dave's message was amazing. And then on Tuesday, someone goes, what was it about? And you're like, I don't, uh, I forget. I was really doing well on Sunday. I couldn't tell you what it was really about on Tuesday. Because we can have these times of great excitement. And let's be honest, the culture and the world around us trains us to thrive on quick, abundant, immediate growth and excitement until that excitement's gone, which is exactly what the parable is speaking about here. Now, I didn't want to do this this Sunday, but I'm going to. I want to give this to you because it's directly in relation to next week's sermon where the crop grows up, but then the thorns and thistles choke it out. And one of the quotes that I found uh, wasn't authored, so I don't know who it was. Um, but it says, the stones kill the root, thorns and thistles kill the fruit. Stones kill the root, thorns and thistles kill the fruit. So the thorns and thistles of next week have great grounding. 
It's a longer term crop. They come up, they spring forth. They're beginning to produce fruit. And then the thorns and the thistles thistles that grow up around it are going to choke it out. This Sunday, this piece of the parable that we're looking at is this stony ground. Immediately the seed springs forth. The seed comes up, but it only comes up because it doesn't have anywhere to go down. And in springing up, it looks as if there's great abundance of life until the sun comes out. Now, what's interesting is the sun for a plant with deep roots is no harm. In fact, it is great good. But the sun for a plant that doesn't have deep roots causes it to wither and die. There's no life left in it. That crop that seemed to have been great is very quickly excelled by the crop around it that took deeper time of getting those roots into the soil so that when it were ready to come up into the sun that it needs to grow, the sun becomes a benefit to it, not a curse to it. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Now I want to look at Mark and Luke. Mark, Matthew, and Luke all fill us in with a little bit more of a perspective of what the sun looks like and means and how it ties into our everyday life here. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Mark 4, 16, 17. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Luke 8, 13. But the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So what causes... This spiritually symbolic growth out of soil, out of rocky soil, to die very quickly. It's the rising of the sun that Jesus likens to persecution and tribulation. Now, persecution and tribulation are mentioned a number of times in the Bible. We love, in America, to think about persecution and tribulation as what's going to come. Most of the world lives in tribulation and persecution. In fact, the book of Acts actually goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible when Paul is preaching at Jerusalem. He speaks specifically and ties the people of Israel being in the land of Egypt as a great day of persecution and tribulation for them. Way back then. Way back then. Matthew 24, 3 to 14, this is what I wasn't ready to share yet, but I'll read it now. As Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen? Now, a little bit of a precursor. Uh, 24 verses 1 to 3 there is a woman Jesus says this woman comes and gives out of the abundance of everything that she has whereas everyone else was bringing everything into the temple and they were adorning the temple 
with these amazing jewels and it was so beautiful and everyone around would say, look how beautiful the temple is. And then this young woman comes with hardly anything, a little, a little bit of money, doesn't really provide much at all in, in order of the, dec- of the decorations. And he actually says, this woman will receive fourfold the reward. Fourfold's not actually used, but, but her gift was so much greater and surpasses so much more than that of those who brought out of the abundance of what they had because she brought out of what she didn't have. So they're looking at the temple, this amazing temple. And Jesus says, don't get caught up by how that looks. One day coming, every single stone in this place will be thrown to the ground. They're saying, look at the wonderful gifts we've given to God. And Jesus goes, "Uh, the temple's not gonna be there very long. In fact, in terms of heaven and eternity, what you see right now is beauty, is absolutely nothing in comparison. Not only that, but every stone in this place will be thrown down to the ground and not a single one of them will be left. And his disciples are astonished and they ask Jesus, tell us when will these things happen? When, when is this great, amazing, beautiful temple going to be torn down? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place, but that's not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things, listen, are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. He's talking to his disciples who actually died by martyrdom. Some of them hung upside down on the cross. They were murdered for their faith in Christ. So Jesus is literally saying to his disciples, you're going to face tribulation. It's going to happen to you. And then in our parable, Jesus is likening the heart that's stony as one who receives with great joy these words of excitement and great kingdom of God that is coming forth and the love of God and the mercy of God and the justice of God and all the things that excite us when we first come to the Lord or when you first hear something that just touches your heart and you take it home with you and then Tuesday comes and your coworkers are doing nothing but slandering the name of Christ and telling you that you're trying to watch my language that, that you're nothing and you're suffering tribulation and persecution and if you have no root you will sink back into your hole and that life that came up on Sunday will be gone by Tuesday gone now that is nowhere near the kind of tribulation that is suffered by most believers in the rest of the world we live like kings and queens church Okay? We live like kings and queens. I want you to, I want you to listen, 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The sun will come up. What is going to determine whether or not the life that springs forth from the preaching of the word of God that is being sown into your life is going to be dependent upon the state of your heart and the way in which you receive that word, where does that word fall in you? I think about it. If, if 
our hearts are not the kind of soil that Jesus says that they ought to be. And if you receive great amounts of joy and you listen to podcast after podcast after podcast and sermon after sermon after sermon and every single one of them doesn't seem to be enough, it's not God. It's not the word lacking. It's not the state of your life. It's not your circumstances. It's the state of your heart. It's stony. You're, never, you're not giving any space or nutrients or depth to that seed to be able to go deep, it immediately must spring forth because there's not much soil below for it to establish itself. This is where the judgment to the church in America, if things do continue down the path that every other nation, the Bible says, are going to one day. I can tell you one day America will be against God. We will live in a godless time that doesn't even give a resemblance of a godly nation. You can't read the New Testament and Revelation and believe that we're going to live this out till the rest of our days and everything's going to be good. There is a promise that persecution and tribulation will come, that every nation will rise against one nation, and that is when Christ will come and do his thing. Until that point... If we are not allowing the word that Jesus is sowing into our hearts by the sermons, by the podcasts, and by the way, we have no excuse. You have a terrible marriage. Do you know how many books there are on godly marriages? Audible, I'm reading the Bible to you every day. If you're not reading or listening through the Bible in a year, you, you, you don't even have, like you can't give me the, I don't read a lot, I don't have time to read a lot. We have everything at our fingertips. The problem is not the abundance. The problem is not the amount of seed. The problem is not the quality of the seed. The problem is the quality of our hearts. And I want you to hear this. Gardening does not happen overnight. The plants on stony ground look really good at the outset. Better than all of the other crop. But the truth is that below the surface, there's nothing there to sustain it. It's a temporary joy. We have a lot more to deal with in the gardening aspect and allowing the Lord to prepare our hearts to be the kind of soil that allows for produce to grow and for fruit to come in abundance. And next week, we're going to have to talk about what are the thorns and thistles of the world? What are these things? Every Sunday for the past four years, we've had no problems with the internet and be able to get slideshows. Now all of a sudden, you know, we have whatever. Do we need the stuff? No, we don't need the stuff. But we need the stuff. <laughs> right? I, uh, I have this up here because... You know, I, I fell myself this week in the past month or so to the quick sprouting hope and joy in a false hope somewhere. In a false, like, physical hope around us. And the reality is that the greatest test is when the sun comes up. 
we're standing a couple of days after the sun came up and nothing's left standing anymore. In my mind, all of it was on stony ground, had no depth in my soul, and now I'm looking at a whole series of my heart going, how in the world did all those stones get there? How did I so quickly allow such a large portion of my soul, my heart, my intellect, my thinking, my desires, my wants, to be embedded in a place to develop a quick crop that faded overnight? And you know what I realized is it's time to till again, Dave. It's time to till again. It's been a season. A crop was produced. The rains have come. They've exposed what pieces of the ground look like. Not all gone. But there's some pieces of my soul that I need a gardener for. And if I'm constantly throwing seed on that thing and caring more about trying to get stuff to grow where it is, then I am inviting the great gardener in and going, God, there's some stone up in here. I need you to tell me if I need dynamite or if this is just a rock that's been exposed to the surface that I just need to throw onto the wall to protect my garden so I don't fall for this again. We can all benefit from looking at the inner parts of our soul and our life as one in which needs to be tilled. You're asking why I'm holding this phone. This is, a, this is like, I call this the dumb phone. I've been waiting for someone to come out with something like this. There's this whole movement that's happened a couple of years ago and they're just catching up now. For those of you with kids, for those of you that are feeling like you need a break from the world, um, this phone literally has been locked out of anything else. There's no web browsing on it. There aren't any colors. Did you know that billions of dollars have been spent psychologically on our devices to use the proper colors to get our attention so that we want and can't survive without the dopamine hit of going into this, right? You know how long I've known that for? Like four or five years. You know how long I have done anything about it? Four or five years. At some point... Jesus has to do something with our heart. At some point, we have to acknowledge where our hearts are. And the kind of crop that's been produced, church, is the first place that we can look. Where's the fruit? Where are the roots? Where's the time? It might be simply, for me, it might be as simple as simply not having time anymore because I've just filled it up, right? Maybe those rocks are just like there's no space in between anything in my life there. I don't know. The Holy Spirit does. Y'all know what rocks you have. Some of you did, some of you didn't. And I applaud some of you that didn't fall for what has most recently transpired and taken place. Now, I'm not saying we don't have to find a burden and a place because we still have responsibility, but I can tell you when our hearts are right, the produce that comes 
will properly dictate the way in which we live our lives. That's the fruit. But the soil's got to be in the place that it is. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, remember as well, the sun always comes up. But it's only a benefit to us when we have a deep root system. It doesn't mean that it doesn't get hot. But it means that our roots have the moisture that provide for the ability for that growth and the fruit to be produced to where the sun, persecution, challenge, tribulation, difficulties in life, they display the reality of how the crop is. The people that we look at that go, that have lost loved ones, and you still, when you meet them, Jesus is on the throne. Hey, what do you think about, I don't know, I just lost my husband, but you know what? I've been closer to God than ever in my life because the sun has shined We've lost, we've endured, we've gone through difficulties and challenges, not anywhere near what most of the world does. But if we shall have to one day, and our kids have to one day, the only thing to sustain us and to sustain them will be hearts of fertile ground. That's it. The stony ground won't sustain, the wayside won't sustain. The untilled plot that's just left to grow of the sluggard who never allows God in to do his gardening work, to create the beauty that is truly there because of us being created in the image and the likeness of God. I passed by the field of a sluggard and the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and then poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. This isn't talking about money. What's being stolen? The enemy doesn't come to love on us. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy and if you're just looking at your plot of land as your heart, and you're going, ah, it's all right. Ah, that wall, I'll get to the wall a little bit later. Who knows where the seed's falling? Who knows? Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked the moisture. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. The joy is wonderful, but there's a kind of joy that stands the test of the sun, persecution and tribulation and trials and challenge. And the reality is we know that to be true. We don't like it, but the only thing that refines gold is fire. The only thing that creates diamonds is pressure. The fact of the matter is that we know that the church always, always, always thrives and grows tremendously in times of persecution and tribulation. And maybe that's more the will of God because he cares more about a growing, sustainable garden than he does about one that quickly springs up and looks real nice and good, but doesn't last the day. 
Where's your heart? You have stones sticking up? Maybe you've already tilled, but the kind of seed you're throwing down is some Monsanto GMO'd stuff. You're not going to be able to do anything with next year. There's so many analogies we can go through. We're going to get as much as the Lord can. I'm trying to siphon out what I do and don't have here and there. But I want to leave you with that. Let's evaluate what's the state of the garden of our hearts. That's what will get us through whatever may come or not come. On the beautiful days, that's still the only thing that sustains us is good soil. That's it. That's it. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you that we are not dependent completely. Don't forget to check in over at allenwood.church. Send us your prayer requests. Shoot us over a message. Let us know how the Lord's working in your life. Support the ministry in any way that you see fit. Be blessed today. We are praying for you. Walk with Jesus.